everybody, welcome to another episode of Two Strike Noise, your weekly baseball history podcast. I am half of the usual consortment. I don't know if that's the right word, consortment of uh, hosts. My name is Jeff. The other half of the consortment, I'm going with it, whether it's right or wrong. Mark A. Johnston. Mark, how you doing, buddy? Hey, I've just been consorting over here. Uh, yeah, I don't think that's right, but you know what? I don't know, but let's go with it. Let's do it. It sounds good. <laughs> it's, it, it, like I've been sorting baseball cards, and uh, so why not consort? Consortium? Is that the... Consortium. <laughs> I don't uh, know, but uh, we are all in consort together now. So uh, yeah, let's. Yeah, uh, I'm excited to be here, man. I've been watching some baseball. It's been awesome. Yeah, I have been. Uh, I've been watching some baseball too. Ready for a regular season. By by this time next week, we are into it. So I'm very excited about that. Yes, I've been watching some baseball. Uh, I'm just ready for the regular season to start. But I have been watching cricket because that's one of the things I do. And I wanted to talk about something. It is going to happen this year in in Major League Baseball, and I'm going to tell you how they do it in cricket because I'm kind of excited about this. So okay. umpires have to talk this year. They're going to be wired up, and they're going to have to explain instant replays. Oh, really? Which is great. I mean, every other mm-hmm. league does this already. Sure. It's also good that Joe West retired, so <laughs> we don't have to hear him do it, you know, explain what went on. But this is... Uh, Exciting because you get to know what they're actually replaying and why they came to the decision that uh, that New York did. But I want to explain how it works in cricket because cricket has got this down to a science. Literally, it's it's really great. Cricket umpires, I, I would also say, have no way near the ego that MLB umpires have. I will say that. Uh, NHL refs have got this down pretty well. They're also very entertaining a lot of times when they're explaining it. But I'm curious to see how Angel Hernandez is the first time that he has to explain why he called a base runner out at second when the bases were actually empty. I'm curious just to, <laughs> to know. But Cricket, what they'll do is they've got a couple of two challenges per team or the, the umpire themselves can signal for a replay. And you hear the replay official. He asks for certain replays. Uh, they've got audio that, it, you know, if the ball nicks the bat, they will sh- they show this little line graph and, you know, a little audio graph so they can tell if it hit the bat or not. And then if it doesn't hit the bat, they do this like Hawkeye thing like tennis does, you know, where they'll show the line and then they'll have a computer generated ball land yes. where it actually landed. They will do that and tell whether or not it hit the wickets or not. And then the umpire wow. just signals, uh, you know, the replay umpire will say, hey, wait till you're on camera. All right, you're on camera, make your call. And then he just says either my call was wrong, this is the new call, or my call stands. It's super easy. So uh-huh. yeah, interested to see. I found this number. There were 1,305 calls challenged last year in baseball. 655 were overturned. That's 50% were overturned. Yeah. You've got a guy in the clubhouse watching and and telling them whether to challenge. So most of the time you're pretty confident. 221 were confirmed and 429 stood. Meaning, eh, we might be right, but we don't have enough to really make a new judgment. So I'm excited to hear Angel Hernandez just get booed even more. (laughs) also it was i had not seen this before i'm watching cricket i had to get up early for golf all week so i got to watch the entire indian premier league game of the day 
cricket teams are using baseball gloves during warmups. Really? Yeah. They had catcher's gloves and other gloves and they would just wear it on one hand. They catch the ball with it, throw it up in the air from the glove and then hit it. It's kind of like hitting fungos in baseball. Sure. When you see coaches do that. I thought that was pretty cool. Uh, Japan. We're a week into the season in the NPB. The ham fighters are (laughs) struggling. Uh Oh, already. (laughs) One and eight at the time of this recording. And that one win was sure awesome, I'm sure, though. I'm sure it really was. But they were 0-8 before they were 1-8. Oh, well, (laughs) it's a streak then. (laughs) Yeah, they're (laughs) hot. Uh, This is what I brought up last week. The team might suck, and you've got this manager who loves to be the center of attention. He's riding hover bikes onto the field. (laughs) Right? Now, that's great if you're 8-1. But when you're 1-8 and and your Mm. manager is the biggest star... Yeah. Players are going to get tired of this crap. They're going to be, yeah, they're going to be mad. And then when they see big boss out there doing big boss stuff, you know, this is, this is a serious problem when you've got a kind of a superstar manager. <laughs> yeah. I, I, we haven't run really, really run across that here. We have, we have big name managers, but uh, nobody to ride a hover bike out onto the field. No. That's pretty sweet. You know, the biggest, the best comparison I could come up with was former guest Bobby Valentine. Yes, that's a good, absolutely. Remember when he was named the manager of the Red Sox? I mean, that was, first of all, it went over like a lead balloon, as did that entire season. <laughs> but, you know, he is a big personality. He does crazy stuff. He loves to talk. And yeah, the the socks sucked and he took the brunt of it. Yeah, too true. Our friends uh, in Hanshin this year also off to an even slower start. (laughs) They have yet to win a game. And uh, yeah, Yeah, that's rough. They've been in Tokyo this week at the Giants too, which is a big rivalry and they are not, not looking good. A couple of other things I wanted to talk about this year. I'm not sure that I can really count this year as being professional baseball in Oakland for the A's. Uh, but this year will be the 54th year the A's are in Oakland. They played in Philadelphia for 53. They are now mm. officially longer in Oakland than anywhere else for the Athletics. Yes, so that's the, the mainstay location for yep. the Athletics franchise. Yep. Again, I'm not really considering this year professional baseball, so <laughs> <laughs> it's still tied in my mind at 53. Uh, I, I'm telling you, we're, we're going to get some surprises out of the A's this year, Jeff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I caught you way off guard with that one, didn't I? <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> I'm not, not, I'm not looking for it. Wanted to quickly run down players having their numbers retired this season because there's a good handful, some names here that we talk about a lot of the time. The most contemporary of which is Ryan Zimmerman, who just retired this year for the Nats, and I think he's going to be the first Nationals number retired. Everybody else from that franchise played with the with the Expos. Ryan Zimmerman, Mr. National, will be having yeah. his number retired. Uh, let's see, also we've talked about this, Keith Hernandez being honored by the Mets. Jim Cat, is it Jim Cat, Jim Cott? I think it's Jim Cott, Cott. I believe, yeah. yes. Uh, with the Twins, having his number retired. Will the Thrill, I know it's been a lot of big news around here, the Giants are finally retiring Will Clark's number. Lou Whitaker. How have the Tigers not retired Lou Whitaker? Oh, my number? goodness. Yeah, he's one of the show favorites here. Yeah. He and Trammell. Trammell's oh, yeah. number's got to be retired, right? 
Yeah. So why yeah. didn't they retire lose at the same time? I don't know. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. And then uh, we talked about it. The Yankees have to. I think they have to. I think it's contractually. I think it's in the CBA. I think I saw it there. Uh, they will be retiring Paul O'Neill's number this year. The Yankees with Paul O'Neill. Now, is, he, is his number retired by the Reds, too? No. No, because he could be one of those guys with multiple retired jerseys, which would be odd because of Paul, Paul O'Neill. Really? Okay. I mean, he was he was kind of the I think he I consider him kind of the engine of those Yankee teams because he was so intense. Oh, yeah, definitely. I, I would use the word intense to describe Paul O'Neill's mood on a baseball field. Yeah. All right. I am excited because uh, our BP segments, we had one last week. This week, we have a plethora to choose from for our debut segment. This show is debuting April 5th. There were so many that I really had to just pick a couple because there were 30, 40 people. It's that time of year. Yeah, it is. This is opening day in past years. It's early in the season. A lot to choose from. So I, I narrowed it down to two. One is somebody that we've talked about numerous times, but he made his debut today, April 5th in 1974. It's Robin Yount or uh-huh. or Robin Yunt, if you're Mark. Yes. Like the runt. It's just the way I learned it. <laughs> Robin Yount was picked one spot before Dave Winfield in the 1973 draft. Wow. That is a, a good draft. Yount at one point in his career early on threatened to retire and go play professional golf unless he got a raise, you know, and the talent that guy has, I bet he could have pulled it off. Oh yeah. He was, uh, he also had a scholarship to play football. I think at Florida state or one of, one of the, you know, a powerhouse football team. This guy was yeah. a, was an athlete as all these guys are the other, the next guy I'm going to mention also every sport in high school and also had a uh, scholarship to play football. With Robin Yount, he was the last player in Major League history to hit a home run at the age of 18. Ah. Nobody else. We've had some some young kids do it lately, but they've all been 19. He is the last player to do it at the age of 18. Nicknamed the kid. But everybody's nicknamed the kid. I mean, you got Willie Mays, you right. got Ken Griffey Jr. They're all Hall of Famers, too. Uh, Yount was the second American League player to win two MVP awards at different positions. The other was Hank Greenberg, who won at first and second, as well as in the outfield. So he won at three different positions. Uh, Yount won at shortstop and in the outfield. In June of 2008, Yount announced the creation of a new all-natural lemonade drink called Robinade. (laughs) How did I miss out on that? I don't know. It didn't sell very well, though, because I don't know how they didn't think about this. Birds don't have money. Uh, so he, he did sell a couple of cans to some crows that uh, traded some buttons for them. But wait, no, I, I, our producer's telling me this was actually for human consumption and the uh, oh. it went to charity. So that's that's my oh, okay. bad. I, well, that I makes kinda, a little more sense then. I was starting to get confused. Yeah, I kind of just stopped after Robin Aid. I just assumed it was for birds. That's my yeah. bad. Uh, 2012. Robin Yount accidentally shot Dale Swaim with pellets in the back and in the ear while they were hunting. Uh, you know what? I've never been in a hunting accident because I don't hunt. And uh, I, the more I hear about these things, the more I'm happy to let all the rest of you enjoy the hunting season. Yeah, I'm uh, well, I, yeah. <laughs> we have uh, we have like you, we have animals, not kids. So, yeah, we don't 
Yes. Like to hunt. Uh, Swaim's injuries were minor, though, but still, you'd think. Do your best, folks, not to shoot one of your teammates. Yeah. That's, that's all I'm a, saying. That's a good idea. Uh, and then finally, Robin Yount has never appeared in an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Unfortunately. Next is uh, making his debut in 2004 on this day was Joe Maurer. Oh, nice. Yeah. Just retired a couple of years ago. Maurer, get this. He struck out one time and one time only during his four-year high school career. You're kidding me. He, he hit 605 during his senior year. Okay, that's pretty good. That is very good. A hometown kid, too. He was uh, he was born in St. Paul, went to high school in St. Paul. Of course, spent his entire career with Minnesota. You remember when he first came up, he, uh, he had those sideburns? Yes. Yeah, he was like the Brady Anderson of Luke Perry's when he first came <laughs> up and they had giveaway nights with sideburns and, and stuff like that. Right. Joe Maurer won his first batting title in 2006, and he became the first catcher to ever lead the American League in batting uh, with a 347 average. Uh, Maurer also modeled for Perry Ellis during the offseason in 2004, and uh, he was featured in television commercials for Head & Shoulders. I don't remember that. I, I do remember that, but I also uh, had to look it up. He never appeared in an episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Do you think Joe Maurer is a Hall of Famer? Was he one-time, two-time MVP? One-time MVP, came in fourth uh, another time. Uh, let's see, three gold gloves, five silver sluggers, six all-stars, three batting titles, a 306 yeah. lifetime average, 388 on base, and a 124 OPS plus lifetime. I don't know. That's pretty darn good. Yeah, I I am I am on board with uh, with Joe Maurer. 15 year career. Remember, he got moved to first base. Uh, looks like around 2013, and he would split time, and then ended up being a DH first baseman near the end of his career. But just an incredible hitter. Yeah, I mean, look at the 55.2 career war, lifetime on base of 388. Dude was just everywhere. You know, looking at his war, that war is a little low for me. But I still think with a catcher, you've got to think about some intangibles. Well, he didn't hit a lot of home runs, but uh, he uh, definitely could play behind the plate. Yeah, looking at some similar batters, you've got Dustin Pedroia, Michael Young, Bill Madlock. Pinky Higgins, show favorite. Uh, Joe was the number one overall pick in the 2001 uh, draft. Nice pick, Minnesota. Yeah, good job. All right, trivia question here before we get into the uh, bulk of the show. I I can't come up with words today, so I'm just, I'm throwing words out there, and if they work, great. If not, just consider us quirky. Uh, Trivia question. Last week, I asked a uh, question. The question was, who is the last pitcher to have five hits in a game with the bat? We got some smart Alex that sent us answers with uh, pitchers that had threw five hitters. All right. I'm pretty sure I was pretty clear, but five hits with the bats. Now, Mark, do you have any any ideas? I actually know the answer, but it's because I was taking in answers uh, on email this week and, and some people got it right. So I'm cheating. But yes, I do know the answer. Well, do you want you want to tell us 
who got it right before we uh, released this? Uh, yeah, it was Jeff Curtis that he sent sent the email in. His first answer I got, and he was dead on with Mel Stottlemyre. There you go, Jeff. I like your name too. That's <laughs> it. It suits you. Uh, we also got some of the uh, the. Well, actually, you know what? We didn't get as many this week. I let's see. We got Marco Signs uh, gave us the correct answer, but that's it. Where did did I stump everybody or? Wow. Except for Jeff and, and Marco? I don't know. In 2007, Micah Owings became the first pitcher since Whitey Ford in 1953 to record two four-hit games in one season. But neither Owings nor Ford had a five-hit game like Mel Stottlemyre did. And, boy, he did it all that game. They, the Yankees beat the Senators 7 to nothing. Two-hitter. Wow. I wonder who the star of the game for the Yankees was. My goodness. Yeah. Uh, Two hitters, struck out five, walked five. Losing pitcher Claude Osteen. That's a, I think he was a pitching coach for. Yeah, he was. uh, Yeah, I remember I actually uh, worked with his son in the minor leagues. Nice. Yeah. Also in that game for the Senators at third base, Don Zimmer. Oh my gosh, yes. Yeah, Popeye had one of the hits. He went one for four. uh, There you go. You know what I think we're going to do, Mark? I think we're going to bump trivia since we've got debuts. Uh, maybe we'll pick it back up after the season, but I, I enjoy the debuts a lot more. So uh, I think that'll be our last one. I do, I'm going to move this week's trivia question into our main topic because it kind of goes along with it. So with that, Mark, let's go ahead and let's let the ground screw come out. They're in midseason form already. They can, uh, they can drag the infield, chalk those oh, lines. Man. They've been champing at the bit to get going. I know it. I, yeah. I've talked to those guys. Yeah, they're watering down the infield so that they're really heavy around first base because uh, we've got a real speedy team here today. want to get that wet down. And uh, what we're going to talk about today, Mark, is the universal DH. Not so much the DH as much as what we are going to miss with pitchers no longer hitting. Yeah. Tear, there's a tear in my eye. It's rolling down like the, the Native American seeing the trash. Looking at the bulldozers, bulldozing trash all over the place. Yeah, yes. It's very, very sad. Uh, so, these are some of the things that we are going to miss now that uh, the pitchers are no longer hitting. First of all, my trivia question for today, for this week, was going to be who was the last pitcher to steal three bases in a single game? Hmm. Which I know Zach Greinke is upset that uh, he won't get a hit anymore because he has nine, I think, believe he has nine home runs and nine stolen bases. That's that's amazing. And he really wanted to get into double figures in both of those. Stolen bases could still happen because, he, you know, pinch runner. Yeah, sure. You could put them in there. But the answer would have been Red Faber. Red Faber. Red Faber. Very odd to have a baseball player nicknamed Red. Yes. <laughs> that is a callback to our nicknames episode where I believe Red is the most common nickname, isn't Red it? Red was up there in Dutch, I in think. Dutch and, and Lefty. <laughs> Imagine calling someone Lefty. Where, where would that come from? I don't know. Well, this guy, switch hitting pitcher, uh, full name Urban Clarence Faber, but uh, Red, I'm going to guess, uh, probably had red hair. See, led the league in ERA a couple of times, finished with 254 wins, 213 losses, 315 average. White Sox, his entire 20 year career. Wow. Including 1919. So, oh, you, wow. You know what that means. But he kept playing after that. So, 
apparently not in on the fix. Uh, 1917, though, he did win a ring. Let's look at his batting here. Uh, Lifetime 134 average, very nice. But stolen bases, he has seven. And (laughs) (laughs) four in 1915, which is one every other year that he had one. So I'm going to guess that 1915 uh, was indeed the year. That's what I have written down as well. Uh, Let's talk about the best hitting pitcher. That would probably be Walter Johnson. He had the most hits, 547 by a pitcher since 1900. Uh, that That was the demarcation line that every article I looked at said. In 1925, Johnson recorded the highest batting average by a pitcher in a season of at least 50 at bats. He hit 433. 1925, I was there a steroid problem in 1925? Because at no point in Walter Johnson's career did he ever hit over 283 before that. And this was huh. at age 37, he hit 433. Interesting. 20 RBI. I don't think the anabolics or human growth hormone were available. I, just greenies, probably. Snake, uh, snake oil of some kind. <laughs> whatever, uh, whatever Satch was putting on his elbow. That's, that's what it right. was. Uh, he also had a higher batting average than he did an ERA in 12 seasons, including 10 years in a row. That's wow. like some Otane type stuff right there. Yeah, really? Uh, let's see. Speaking of stolen bases with pitchers. Wild Bill Donovan's 34 steals are the most in a career by a pitcher since, again, 1900. Don wow. Newcomb, someone I definitely want to talk about. Don Newcomb had a had a really good career. Uh, he's the only pitcher to hit two home runs and steal a base in a game. Ooh, yeah, now that's a good game, too. Yeah, that's a pretty good game. Uh, Rookie of the year, 1949 with the Brooklyn Dodgers. 1956, he won both the MVP and the Cy Young Award in the same year. Went 27-7 and that year. Uh, I think that's pretty good. 306 average. Only a 131 ERA plus. Which tells me that there were a lot of good pitching performances that year. Man, I guess. In 10 years in the majors, he went 149 and 90. Interestingly enough, though, in the playoffs, 0-4. Not not great in the playoffs. As a pitcher, he hit 271 for his career with 15 home runs and 108 RBI. That's a good season for a lot of players these days. Absolutely. Uh, Some other just stories that I'm going to miss hearing. Uh, This is a great one. This happened last year at the Brewers. Bench coach Pat Murphy bought a four-foot-tall wooden statue that was awarded to any Brewers pitcher who drew a walk without swinging the bat. You go up there, and the other the other pitcher just can't throw a strike. The honorary statue was placed in the pitcher's locker until the next pitcher to accomplish this feat would then be presented with it. Pitcher Adam Hauser currently has it, and uh, it looks like he's probably going to keep it forever. Because nobody's going to be hitting anymore. So congratulations to Adam (laughs) Hauser. Put that one away. Yeah, this is another great story here. Early 1990s, the steal sign uh, from the Pittsburgh Pirates, who were still being managed by Jim Leland at that point, is he would put his hand on the shoulder of the hitting coach, Milt May. Leland, at one point during a game, called May over to tell him something and inadvertently put his hand on May's shoulder. Well, the pitcher... Brian Fisher was on first base, and he sees this in the dugout, so the next pitch he takes off. He slid, 
And when he slid, he stopped well before the bag. He finished his slide. Third base coach Rich Rich Donnelly joked that he was closer to first base than he was to second when he slid and was tagged out. Probably won't see a whole lot of that anymore. I guess not. Some other things we're going to miss without pitchers hitting. How long are they going to worship this guy? Hey, we got Cy Young winners over here. Hi, Tom. Chicks dig the long ball. I'm guessing most uh, most listeners of this podcast remember this. We, I mean, we've talked about it on past episodes before, but this was a huge campaign for Nike with Tom Glavin and Greg Maddox and, and Mark McGuire. Uh, just curious, if you had to guess between Tom yeah. Glavin and Greg Maddox, who had the most home runs, who would you think? I would, I would guess Greg Maddox. He did. Five home runs compared to uh, Glavin's one. What about stolen bases? Ooh, uh, you know, I'm going to go with Maddox again. You are correct. He had 11 to Glavin's one. Uh-huh. But Glavin never was caught stealing. Maddox was caught three times. Their averages are pretty close. Glavin actually hit 186 compared to Mad Dog's 171. Their OPS plus, Maddox is a five, and Glavin <laughs> is a 22. <laughs> Solid numbers yeah. all around. Now, see, I'm, I'm looking at war for batting. Somehow it says Glavin has a 6.8 war over his career with the bat. Well, Maddox has a 1.8. Okay. I, I don't see that, but. I don't either. Glavin did have about 30. Well, not about. He had 36 more sacrifice bunts. I don't know if that garners you seven points of war. <laughs> couple of other things we miss or we're going to miss looking for his first hit of the year he drives one deep left field that goes up to him back near the wall it's out of here Bartolo has done it the impossible has happened the team vacates the dugout as Bartolo takes the long trot his first career home run this is one of the great moments in the history of baseball has gone deep. Does anybody not just smile every time they see that highlight? Oh, God, it's classic. I mean, you can see how much everybody is so excited. Ah, I mean, even the the uh, the, the Padre fans there yes. were, were enjoying it. And I love that his teammates all ran into the tunnel and left the dugout. Before he got home, you know, but for and to be honest, that was a David Ortiz like stroll around the bases. But I think he was going full speed. Yeah, I don't think it was intentionally slow. It's just that's what that's what he moves like. That's, but it's so great. You know, one, he finally got a home run. But there's also, you know, there's a gift that people use all the time of Bartolo just swinging as hard as he can, missing, spinning around in the batter's box with his helmet falling off. (laughs) He was not Ted Williams, you know, out there at the plate, obviously. But that that was so great. And that will be a highlight for as long as there are highlights, I think, because Bartolo's big sexy. Uh, If I were to ask you, Mark, after the invention, I guess it wasn't really invention, after the integration of the DH, again, I can't think of words today, so bear with me. In the American League, 
Who was the first American League pitcher to hit a home run after the invention of the DH? Wow, I that's a great question. I have no idea. So I found the answer, and then I went to look it up to get this audio. Doubles. In the inning, Bobby Witt sends this one deep to left center field, way back, and that ball is out of here. Bobby Witt for the Rangers with a home run. Look at him trying not to smile. <laughs> but it took me a long time to find that. And the reason being is because when I type in Bobby Witt home run, the first 36 pages are all Bobby Witt Jr. highlights. <laughs> but that was Bobby Witt in uh, June 30th, 1997 versus the Dodgers, the first American League pitcher to homer in an interleague game. Nice. So, Mark, when I think about pitchers that are thought of as being great hitters, Mike Hampton is one of those guys Oh, yes. That that comes to mind. And not just as being thought of as a good hitter, but also he had power. Now, this isn't really true. But <laughs> in 2001, though, he hit 291 with seven home runs in one season. Next year, he dipped a little bit in the power, but his average went up when he hit three home runs and he hit 344. One of those two seasons, he finished with an OPS plus of 113, which is great for a pitcher. Now, those two seasons were in Colorado, though. Kind yeah. of, it, it, it explains a lot of that. Five of those seven home runs were in Coors as well. And he did get Wade Miller twice in one game. Nice. All your energy straight back, straight ahead. Hampton lifts a high fly ball, deep right center field. to get a better home run shot. He's flying around the bases. Man, right center. He smoked it. Hampton hammers it. Deep left field. This one's heading for the Rockies. Now, when you haven't hit one in your whole career, just go ahead and hit four in one year. Do it in the first half. And two in one game. Interesting note, though. Those were Hampton's last two at-bats of that game versus Wade Miller. In his next start, his first at-bat, he did this. Hampton, who has four home runs, set to lead off. Fly ball, deep center field. Has he done it again? It is gone! Wow! Are you kidding me? Do not adjust your sets. Well, Perez hit his fifth, so I guess Hampton felt like he needs to keep pace. Good fastball, too. 90 miles an hour, right on the outside half of the plate, and you allowed Hampton to extend, and he does. 420 feet. With the Rockies on top, two to one on this ball game. <laughs> Amazing. Five home runs for Mike Hampton. He had never hit one in his career. So he hit three home runs in three at bats. <laughs> oh, rough day for the pitcher, man. Well, it's two days, yeah, because it was the, it was the next game. But still, at three consecutive at-bats, Mike Hampton hit three home runs. Do you think anybody's done that since as a pitcher? Uh, besides Otani? He hasn't done it. He hasn't done it. He You're hasn't right. done uh, yet. <laughs> Let's put yeah, it that way. <laughs> I fully expect it. Yeah. Uh, no, I, I tell me. Michael Lorenzen of the Reds. I wouldn't have got that. Yeah, he is. I think he's one of those two-way guys. I think he's pitcher and can also play the outfield. In 2018, he accomplished this feat as well. Nice. Probably won't. Well, he might do it again as an outfielder, but uh, pitchers hitting home runs in the World Series. 
Can you name me the last pitcher who hit a home run in the World Series? I most certainly cannot. <laughs> well, I can tell you who the last one to ever do it will be. It was uh, Joe Blanton in 2008. So uh, that was with the Phillies, the only one of his career, and it was off Edwin Jackson, who in 2008, I believe, was 74 years old. Still, yeah, I had to have been. I think he's still pitching in, in the Mexican League as we speak. Other pitchers that hit home runs in the World Series, Dave McNally of the Orioles. Now, McNally ended up with nine career home runs in the regular season. But in 1969, Dave hit a home run in the World Series against the Mets. I, I don't think that one worked out for the Orioles. But the very next season, the O's were in the World Series again, where McNally hit a grand slam against the Big Red Machine. So he did it twice. Wow. Others that uh, did this before the... Uh, D.H. Mickey Lulich in 1968. Of course, Bob Gibson. We've talked about Bob and his home run. Mudcat Grant and uh, about five others that we're not going to go through all of them. Uh, another thing, Mark, I'm going to miss. With pitchers not hitting, it means pitchers can't send a message to anyone anymore. Yeah, I mean, who are you going to throw at? Well, I mean, you can. I mean, they... <laughs> We still have fights in the American League, but right. you can't really take it out on the on the person that probably deserves it the most, the, the opposing pitcher. And, you know, pitcher fights are like goalie fights in the NHL. They don't happen very often, but when they do, everybody wants to see it. So I was trying to think about the last time I saw a pitcher charge the mound. Hmm. And I got a couple, and I think I think you'll remember these as soon as I bring them up here. So the first one is from 1996. Expos at the Phillies. Pedro Martinez. Shocker that Pedro Martinez is involved with this. He hit Greg Jeffries. And uh, Jeffries actually had to leave the game. He was he hurt his, I think it was his elbow or his wrist, one of those two. He left the game. Next half inning, Pedro at the plate. Mike Williams pitches inside, gets a warning. Next pitch. You'll remember that Pedro Martinez hit Greg Jeffries. Got him on the right elbow. Jeffries had to leave the game. And now in a bunt situation, you can see this pitch coming right in at Pedro's left knee. And then Pedro gets decked. And here they go. Throws his helmet at Mike Williams and a huge pile out in the middle of the field. Here come the bullpens and the umpires now stand back and take numbers. Down in the middle of that pile, Pedro Martinez and Mike Williams. Expos and Phillies all in the middle of it there. And it's so Pedro charged the mound, but he did the Bush League move. He tried to throw his helmet at Williams. Oh, yeah. And for somebody that has struck out so many batters in his career, why can these guys not throw their helmets very well? Like, <laughs> I don't know if they've got like too much pine tar on their on their gloves. And so the helmet doesn't go where they want. But he completely missed. Big I, think it's, uh, I think it has to do with form. You know, <laughs> they're not used to running. See, we revert right. back to cricket where you're running right. when you bowl the ball. Uh, the other one I found, this one brought back some some memories. 1990 Cardinals at the Mets. Doc Gooden and Pat Combs. Oh, boy. Oh, this, wow. This one got nasty. This is, I watched this. This is like a 20-minute just scrum and fight. I guess those are kind of mutually exclusive. It was a fight. There were a lot of fights. Uh, Gooden had hit a couple of batters in the game, and Doc led off the inning. 
And this is what happened. Doc Gooden leads off the oh. inning, and he's hit, and he charges the mound, and he's into Pat Combs. Gooden didn't like it, and now both teams have come out of the dugout. Boy, Gooden reacted in a hurry. Here come the bullpens into the fray. I think this is going to be one of those things ahead with Cincinnati. This is between the pitchers, basically. Oh, there are some wild sideline fights here, though. Both Combs and Gooden, it, it's kind of like, I already said a goalie fight. This one was kind of like a hockey fight between two enforcers, where, you know, they agree before the puck is dropped that they're going to go, and as soon as that puck is dropped, Bam, their gloves are off and they're going. Because as soon as Combs hits Doc, they both charge at each other. It wasn't Pat Combs standing on the mound waiting for Doc to get there. They both charged. It was like they were they were lovers and they hadn't seen each other for a long time. <laughs> but there was no slow motion, but they met like 30 feet right in the middle there between home plate and the pitcher's mound. And it got, like I said, really ugly. It was like Mariners Orioles or, or Yankees Orioles type ugly. It was yeah. it was nasty. By the way, Greg Jeffries on that Mets team for this fight as well. Oh, wow. So <laughs> Greg Jeffries is the common denominator here. But those were the only two pitchers charging the mound fights that I could remember or find. If anybody has any more, let, let us know. We... Like I said, it's like a goalie fight. You you want to watch that. That's right. The final thing, Mark, that I am going to miss, and, and not so much miss, but, you know, growing up being a Ricky Henderson fan, Ricky's leading off. Uh, when he was in the National League, you definitely saw this. The leadoff batter no longer taking extra time to get up to the plate and get ready to give the pitcher a chance to catch his breath in the dugout after striking out. Or if they happen to make contact, you know, having to jog half-heartedly down to first base. Yes. You just, <laughs> you can go about your bit. I think this is a, a pace of play thing. Definitely. Yeah. We're, yeah. We're looking at probably about 230 per game now. Yeah. In the National League. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe less. <laughs> so, Mark, is there anything, anything I didn't cover that you're going to miss about pitchers not hitting? Well, um, actually, uh, I we uh, did a show, episode 104, talked about the decline of uh, the hitting pitcher and uh, how the DH came about. I was just going to remind listeners, they can go back and listen to episode 104 and get a little more uh, history on that. I am not going to miss it at all. Like I've made it perfectly clear on this, this podcast, I'm an American League guy, always have been. And part of it is because of the, the team I support in the American League, but also I just don't like seeing pitchers bad. It's just not... Well, entertaining to me you know and if you if you go back to that episode 104 we go through how you know how pitchers hit in the 1890s and the 1900s and 1950s and you look and it's just a steady decline to the point where just pitchers are just not hitting and it's you know i know people talk a lot about you know more strategy in the national league and stuff like that and i i get that and i am mostly a traditionalist myself but we're to the point where that's really just a hole in the lineup and if you've got like a really good defensive guy, center fielder, shortstop that you're putting out there that isn't maybe the best hitter, that gives you two real tough spots in your lineup. And uh, I think the DH is just going to add, make things more equitable across leagues. Yeah, I agree. It affects the entire lineup because that bottom of the lineup, you start thinking, oh, maybe I'll put this guy on base because then we get to the pitcher spot. Right. Trust me, I'm on social media. I know there are a lot of people that hate it that hate oh, yeah. the, the, having the DH in any league, let alone now 
in both leagues. But for me, I'm I'm excited for it. I'm not going to lie. I'm going to watch more National League games probably because uh, I, I don't have to I don't have to worry about that last three spots in the lineup being so boring that I just don't care. So, yeah, I, it, I'm torn about it because, like I said, I'm mostly a traditionalist. But, you know, I think it's it's just come to the point where it's time. Well, baseball's too specialized at this point, you know, yeah. except for the Otanis or the Lorenzans. Sure. But they're, they're still the absolute exception to the rule. You know, when you're a pitcher, you spend your entire four days between starts. You're doing you're focusing on on pitching, throwing bullpens, yeah. watching film. You're not out there taking BP for an hour. So it just it doesn't make sense. You know, it, it, when baseball started, you didn't also you didn't have 28 man rosters. You didn't have minor leagues. You had nine, maybe 10 players and you had to do everything. Right. Definitely not where the game is today. We're fully expecting uh, messages, emails and so on. But um, I think we're, we're in agreement on we both think it's a good thing for baseball. Yeah, we got our way. It was us. We did it. So it was. Yeah, definitely. Suck it. Pitchers hitting. All right. That's going to do it for the main part of our show here today and things we will miss about pitchers hitting now that we've got the universal DH. All right, Mark, it is time to head into the final segment of the show. Now, this is exciting because we have, you know, told everybody before, if you want to send us some packs of cards to open, that's fine. Even if you want to curate those packs, that is fine as well. And this week we have got a couple of curated packs from one of our longtime listeners. Marshall Marins has sent in a couple of packs of curated uh, wax packs, I guess. But, kind of a uh, number of them here, Jeffrey. I, I, yeah. These could be valuable. Yeah, so uh, let's go ahead. Let's listen to the intro, and then we'll get into it. It is time for everybody's favorite cardboard and wax-based 1v1 co-host v co-host exhibition. It is time for Wax Heroes. Before we get into it, let's review the rules. Mark and I will both be opening a pair of baseball cards, generally from the Junk Wax era. We will look at these cards and get credit for each player's baseball reference war from the year of the pack we are opening. However, whoever has the highest war total at the end is proclaimed the winner. But there are some qualifiers that can add or subtract from your score if the player is wearing real stirrups that we can see sanitary socks beneath. That's an extra tenth of a point of war because that's good. But if they are wearing the dreaded two-in-ones, that is minus half a point. Noah's Frio. If they have anything around their eyes, meaning sunglasses, glasses, glasses, a monocle, or even goggles, extra tenth of a point of war. If they're wearing sweatbands with their jersey number or caricature on them, Extra tenth of a point of war for each. If that player won an award that season, MVP, Cy Young, Rookie of the Year, Gold Glove, or was an all-star, extra tenth of a point of war for each. And if that player now has a plaque in the hallowed grounds of Cooperstown, New York, you get a whole point of war because that there is a Hall of Famer. And finally, Mark and I will each pick a team. If we get a player from that team, we get an extra half a point of war. But if we get a player from the other person's team, we minus half a point. Mark... With that, which team are you picking? Uh, you know what? I am going to select the Cleveland Guardians. 
Nice. Well, I am going to go with, since I made fun of them earlier today in this podcast, I'm going to go with my favorite semi-professional team, the Oakland Athletics. There you go. All right. Now I got two packs, Jeff. All right. And what, uh, I, I know he's got these labeled. What, uh, what are they labeled? These are labeled either pack first, mixed years. We just go year by year and we'll make sure we're looking up the right guy. All right. So yeah. you want the right or the left, my friend? Uh, I am going to, you know what? You, you keep picking the right and keep winning. Yeah. So I'm going to go with the left because if we look at the scoreboard, <laughs> you are <laughs> one win away. You're night. You've got 19 wins. I've got 10. I just want to end the season. <laughs> well, this could be it. Jeff. This would this be great be if you won today, because then as the regular season starts in regular baseball, so do we. So I'm going to oh, choose. I'm going to choose the one on the left. All right. Left it is. Now, you've got the cards there, though. So you get to determine whether you want to go first or second. Right. You're going first. OK. <laughs> All <laughs> right. So these I are mixed, you know. mixed years. So uh, we'll have to keep uh, keep our eye on that. So I don't do something stupid. Now, these are themed cards. All right. All right, let's go, Marshall. Let's see what you got. All right, so we have here, it looks like a 92 tops, Juan Bell. Juan Bell? I cannot say that I am familiar with Juan Bell, nicknamed Tito, but brother of George Bell. Nice. Yeah, seven years in the big leagues for Juan, too. Let's see, most games he appeared in in a year was 115. That was in 93. You said we're looking at 92? 92. All right, so he was with Philadelphia in 92. 46 games, a 204 average, one home run, eight RBI, five stolen bases, no caught stealing. I like that. Not a lot. Uh, didn't get on base, didn't have any power, 58 OPS plus, and all of that equates to a war of 0.6. Uh, is there anything on that card that's going to help me out? Mm, I no glasses, and you can't see the uh, stirrups. No so stirrups? No. Oh, we we have a no. It's a baseball. He has a batting glove under his uh, his glove. I thought it was a wristband at first, but it's not. So uh, in 1988, he was traded along with Brian Holton and Ken Powell from the Dodgers to the Orioles for Eddie Murray. Oh, so he was traded for a Hall of Famer, and he's got uh, he's got a very well known brother. That's nice. All right, so I'm starting out in the positive. I like that at least. All right, and you're going to keep going positive because we got a Hall of Famer next. Nice. All right. Then um, this is this is not your typical tops. This is the Quaker Oats Company, mm. Jim Rice for the Boston Red Sox. Jim. 1986 is when this was made. Jim Rice. I wonder if this came out of uh, was it uh, Rice Krispies? Uh, Quaker Oats. It says. <laughs> See, I was just making a making <laughs> oh, a puffed rice, rice joke. Rice and Rice Krispies. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one, Jeff. Uh, let's see. Jim Rice, of course, went into the Hall of Fame in 2009. I know that because he went in alongside Ricky Henderson. Uh, let's see. What year are we looking at here? Oh, sure. You're gonna make me look again. Yeah, 86. 86. All Star year for Jim Rice. His final at the age of 33 appeared in 157 games. Came in third in MVP voting. I like that. Hit 324, 20 home runs, 110 RBI, 384 on base, 490 slugging for a 137 OPS plus. This year ended his four-year consecutive reign of leading the league in double plays grounded into. <laughs> he nearly cut it in half. He only grounded into 19 while he grounded into 35 the year before. Wow, that's uh, that's impressive. That's consistent. Yeah, so 1986, that is a war of 5.6. He was an all-star, so that's 6.1, and then a Hall of Famer. So that is a 7.1, barring anything else on the card. 
That was a good card. Any stirrups or anything for me? No, just a, just a shot of his, it's a headshot. Okay. I saw a picture of him for some reason earlier today where he was uh, nose to nose with Mike Heath of the A's at the plate, which did Mike Heath really get into this many scuffles at the plate? You know, I don't know. He was a tough guy. Yeah, because I mean, there's the famous picture of him and Dave Winfield where Winfield just got him at arm's length like Darth Helmet. Yeah. And and then this one, which I had not seen, but I immediately thought of that. So, all right. He had an encounter in the clubhouse when I worked there, too. Well, so the same team, not even the, the opposition. All right, I'm at 7.7 after two cards. I like it. What's next? All right, next we have Randy Bush, Minnesota Twins. I remember Randy Bush. He was on those, at least on the 88 team, I believe. Yeah, we're going for the 92 stats. All right, so yeah, he was uh, he was a twin his entire 12-year career. So that's two World Series for Mr. Bush. Good for him. Why do we always say Mr.? We're so formal on this show. We got to. We are very formal. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Let's see. 1991 was probably his best year, but we're looking at 92, you said? Yes. 92, 100 games played, a 214 average, two home runs, 22 RBI, a 57 OPS plus. And that will equal a war of minus 1.1. Nice. Yikes. What a nice performance, man. That is. uh, How are you still up? (laughs) <laughs> now, I always wonder when we get a curated pack like this, am I missing something that this card has specifically been put in there for? <laughs> well, let, let me go back because these are themed. So let me go back oh, to the okay. first three. All right. Juan Bell, Jim Rice, Randy Bush. Well, we got four letter last names. Okay. So you think you might be heading that direction? Bush. Oh, B's. Or no, no, Rice's. I, okay. I went to Washington State, so I'm not that smart. So let's. All right. Next card. All right. Your next card is a pitcher from the Toronto Blue Jays. A fantastic pitcher at that. Jimmy Key. Okay. So there goes your four letters for the last name. (laughs) And we're looking at his 91 stats. Jimmy Key, 15 years in the big leagues, nine of it with the Blue Jays. You said 96? Yeah. So 1996, his final year with the Yankees. He went 12 and 11, 4.68 ERA. 107 ERA plus he struck out 116 in 169 innings. He won two World Series titles, uh, one with the Blue Jays in 92 and then one with the Yankees in 96. So that might be what we're we're looking at is his World Series year. Overall, that is a war of 2.9. Bad. Did he wear glasses at one point? He may have, but he wasn't in this picture. No. And uh, I can't tell on the stirrups. His, his feet are turned to the side here. All right, so that's a 2.9 war for uh, for Jimmy. Still, <laughs> everything, uh, their last names are all nouns? I think you may have something here. Look at that. Oh, all right. All right, so, okay, here's our next guy. Okay. Drew Hall. Still works for me. 91 on the Expos. 91, five-year career. Well, Marshall, I'm going to have to send you to court here because uh, he retired or at least never appeared in the majors after 90. So, <laughs> Yeah, no wristband, no uh, stirrups, no glasses. Well, you know, Drew Hall must have been thought of rather highly at one point because he was represented by the Boris Corporation. Oh, well, he must have been. But five years in the big leagues, 9 and 12 mark overall, 5.21 ERA. And obviously, no uh, no war here for 91. Let's see. 
Uh, 91, yeah. So after 90, he just spent the rest of his career in AAA. I think he kind of seems like he's one of those uh, 4A players, but yeah. never got another chance in the big leagues. All right, so I am still at 9.5 and holding. And so now you've got a hull to go with your tea and your rice and your bush. Got that? Yeah. Bell. And here's your next guy, Dennis Lamp. I think a Dennis Lamp is a Red Sox more than anything. Yeah, absolutely, me. me too. Uh, let's see, 16 years in the big leagues, four in Boston, four with the Cubs, three in Toronto, three with the White Sox. He spent a year in Oakland in 1987. I do not remember that at all. 1991, 38 years old in Boston. Still ended up going six and three, a 4.7 ERA, 92 innings out of the bullpen, a 92 ERA plus, and all of that equals a war of minus 0.4. Anything, uh, anything on that card going to help me out? Is uh, if we were using old rules, you'd get one heck of a double mustache. But no, <laughs> we might need to bring that back. I think. In fact, his mustache it matches his eyebrows. He's got like three mustaches on his face. <laughs> now, as somebody with rather prominent eyebrows himself, I, I feel for, I feel <laughs> that comment. Uh, Dennis Lamp, a lot of different jersey numbers <laughs> in his career, and it could add up to be over a thousand if you add all those numbers together. Dennis Lamp gave up Lou Brock's 3,000th hit. Oh, wow. And he also surrendered Cal Ripken Jr.'s first major league hit. Wow. So, yeah, it's did some uh, in on a couple of big hits there. But uh, overall, that minus 0.4 will take me down to 9.1. Okay, and um, moving on to your next noun, Kurt Ford. Yeah, it still, still holds water here. Yeah. We're looking at, this will be a 90. 90. All right. That's Kurt Ford's final year in the big leagues. He spent six, four with St. Louis. The final two were with the Phillies. He only got into 22 games this year. Hit 111 with a minus 24 OPS. How do you pull that off? How do you get a a minus OPS plus? Zero should be the lowest you could go, right? It's impressive how you can do that. (laughs) He went uh, two for 18. Struck out five times, one walk, no extra base hits as a right fielder. And that equates to a war of minus 0.3. Well, he was traded for Milt Thompson at one point. There's that. Wow. Okay. Well, in 2015, uh, he was punched by a St. Louis gas station attendant and then moved the next day. There's yeah, got to be more to that, but we'll, we'll save that for another. No, that's the whole story. He was standing there, sucker punched by a gas station attendant. And and like, I'm getting tired of this neighborhood. I'm out of here. <laughs> so next week, our story will definitely be on Kurt Ford. But <laughs> 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 All right. That takes me to 8.8. How many right. more cards do we have left? Three to go. Three, Three to go. go. Wow. All right. All right. And now here you've got one of my favorite players of all time. All right. Kevin Smallmouth Bass. Of the Houston Astros. Yeah, I'm sticking with the the, the nouns. It's still hanging in there. Yeah. They've all been. Yeah. What and year? we're looking at a 90 here for, for yeah. Kevin Bass. All right. So Kevin Bass had a great career. 14 years in the big leagues. Most of it were with Houston. 10 of those. Three with the Giants. This was his first year, 1990, with the Giants. Looks like he was hurt for part of it. 252 average. Seven home runs. 32 RBI. A 96 OPS plus. And uh, that will equate to a war of minus 0.4. You're consistent. It's like this pack was made for me. Now, if, if we're counting mustaches, I know 
that oh, I would yeah. have gotten some points, but we're Kevin Bass is loaded in the mustache category. Yeah. All right. So I'm at 8.4 and headed down. And uh, you actually got a White Sox pitcher that actually wasn't a bad pitcher. Didn't have a, a long career, but he was good when he was around. Eric King. Still a noun. Yep. King. And uh, this is a uh, 90. Eric King. Seven years in the big leagues. 1990, he was with the White Sox. He spent two years there. Wow. 12 and four. Yeah, he's a good pitcher. 3.28 ERA. Yeah, it looks like I, I'm guessing he had to have gotten hurt. We'll find out here in a minute because these are some really good numbers. Yeah. For a starter, especially. Yeah, I agree. Uh, let's see. 1990, 12-4, 3.28 ERA. Let's see. He struck out 70 in 151 innings, and that is good for an ERA plus of 117, and that will equal a war of 2.3, finally in the right direction. Let's see. He was traded uh, with Dave LaPointe and Matt Noakes to the Tigers for Juan Berenguer, Senor Smoke, and Bob Melvin. Oh, wow. So there are some some names. That's an odd trade. Boy, I didn't know. Matt Noakes played his rookie year for the Giants and then was traded to the Tigers. I always I just assumed. Him as a t- yeah, a Tiger. Yeah, I always just assumed he came up with the Tigers. But uh, huh. there you go. That's something to didn't know before. Uh, all right, so uh, I'm at 10.7, and I'm down to my final card. Give me final something good. Final card, Baltimore Orioles designated hitter, Sam Horn. <laughs> oh, the Sam Horn. And you're looking at a 91 here. We know, as I've mentioned in the past, I have a closet full of Sam Horn rookie cards. <laughs> Samuel Lee Horn, my man. <laughs> which I'm just holding on to, to be able to retire comfortably. I mean, Marshall, you could have at least given me his rookie card, so I could have made some money out of this but 1991 121 games easily the most games he played in his eight-year career his second highest game total was 79 the year before he hit 233 this year he had 23 home runs but only 61 rbi off of that 326 on base and a 130 ops plus that equals a war of 1.1 Pulls out a positive at the end. Yeah, but not very positive for somebody that hit 23 <laughs> home runs that year. Yeah, we've talked about this before. Striking out six times in a game is called the horn. Oh, that's right. <laughs> yep. Earned it. I wonder when the... I We need to look that up and see when the last time the horn was achieved. Uh, Jeff, uh, that was your last card, and there's a note attached to it saying the last names are all nouns. There so we go. Do I, so I get an extra 10 points for that, right? 10, huh? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so that's 11.8. Now, I don't know if that's a good score or not because uh, we, 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 have to, we have to wait and see what kind of cards you get here. So Yes, all right. I got my pack ready to roll. Yep. Is this assorted as well? Also assorted. All right. All right, so the top card is going to be a 92 tops Manuel Lee of the Blue Jays. Manny Lee. All right, 92 you said? Yes. All right. Manny Lee, 11 years in the big leagues, eight with Toronto. 92 is his final year. Still appeared in 128 games. Let's see. Hit three home runs. He never had much power. 39 RBI, six stolen bases, a 263 average, and an 83 OPS plus. Uh, That's good, though, for a war of 3.2. I think that defense is coming coming into play there. One World Series win with the Blue Jays. All right, so you're you're on the board with a positive three point two. You're you're almost a quarter of the way to my score already. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's see what we got going. I got because I got a big name next. All right, 
from the Seattle Mariners, Scott Bradley. Oh boy, ninety one. They uh, they definitely definitely is a big name. I'm going to already put my guess in as uh, people with last names that are also first names. Okay, that's an early guess. Yeah, that's, I I'm like it. Getting way out in front of it. Manuel Lee. Okay. Let's see. You said ninety one for Scott Bradley. Yeah. Scott Bradley. I think he was pretty much a, a backup catcher, wasn't he? A number two guy. Yes. For the most part. Yeah. 91, his final year, or no, he was traded in 92 from Seattle. Nine years in the big league, seven with the Mariners, 83 games, a 203 average, and no power, no home runs, 11 RBI, a 47 OPS plus. Big name, but a bad year, I guess is what we'll say. That's good for a minus 1.54. Nice job, Scott Bradley. (laughs) I think Marshall's intentionally trying to give us our first negative number. (laughs) <laughs> when uh, for a total that could happen uh, i know scott bradley's on twitter i follow him on twitter he is the head coach at princeton oh is he yeah so good for they him they got a pretty good program there that's nice i, I hear they're they're they have high baseball iq yes there you go all right you're at 1.7 all right and moving on to another one that kind of solidifies your theory here Dwayne henry Dwayne henry that name is is familiar i couldn't have even told you which team he played for or what position but he was a pitcher. He was. And this is, we're looking at 91. 91. All right. 11 years in the big leagues for Dwayne, five with the Texas, and then scattered about. Of course, one of his final years was in Seattle. <laughs> he did of not course. pitch very well. But 91, his lone year with the Astros, he went three and two with a 3.19 ERA, 52 games out of the bullpen, 67 innings, 51 strikeouts. That's not too bad. A 109 ERA. And that equates to a war of positive 0.8. Keeping on the sunny side of life. Oh, that'll help you there. Wow. After, after leaving the big leagues, he wanted to keep playing. <laughs> and, and he did. He played for Chinichi in Japan. He played in Taiwan for two years. Then he played in the Atlantic League for two years. Then he went back to the Taiwanese League for another year. And then he started 2001 in Mexico and finished up in Newark in the Atlantic League. Wow. So, he boy, that team in uh, Newark, the, uh, the Bears, which Ricky played for them one year, other players on the team, Jose and Ozzy Canseco, Pete huh. Incavilia, the one dog, Lance Johnson, Jim Layritz. He must have been out of prison at that point. Bam Bam, Hensley Mullins. Wow. Jack Armstrong was on the uh, the pitching staff, along with Jamie Navarro. <laughs> those are wow. Some, yeah, those are some some really <laughs> good names from uh, from Major League. Inky hit three fifty three that year. But Very only nice. nine home runs. Lance hit 307 with four triples because that's what he did. That's right. Uh, the Consecos did not do much. Actually, Ozzy hit six home runs to Jose's seven. So, <laughs> well, I wonder if Jose took at bats as Ozzy, like the uh, the theory was in Oakland. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. So you're at 2.5. Next card. All right. Next card is a manager card. So I guess I don't get any points. Yeah. Uh, Roger Craig, manager of the Giants. Hum, That's baby. all it is. It's like getting a, getting a checklist. You don't get anything. But again, name Roger Craig. Yeah, Roger Craig, good player, as well as a manager. Three times uh, Roger Craig won the World Series as a player. 1955 with the Brooklyn Dodgers, 1959 with the Los Angeles Dodgers, and 1964 with the St. Louis Cardinals. He was a pitcher, 74-98. and 98. Okay, so maybe... 
he just had a long career as a, as a player. In 62 and 63 consecutive years, he led the league in losses, going 10 and 24 and 5 and 22. Wow. But a couple years prior, in 1959, he went 11 and 5 and led the league with four shutouts and a 206 ERA. My gosh. So, you know, he did, he pitched a lot. We'll say that. Uh, of course, won the National League pennant in 1989 before his Giants were swept out of the World Series by my Oakland Athletics. Uh, that was the hum baby Giants. All right. So nothing there for you, but it further, my, my last name is first name still holds. And uh, this one will too. The Giants shortstop Mike Benjamin. We're looking at 91 for him. All right. So Mike Benjamin, uh, full name Michael Paul Benjamin, three first names. Uh, 1991 was his third year in the big leagues with the Giants, 13 years overall, seven with the Giants. Appeared in 54 games as an infielder, hit 123, two home runs, eight RBI, a 14 OPS plus. That will get you a war of minus point two. That was helpful. Uh, how come when I don't want to win, I'm I, I feel like I play better. I I'm too thirsty for the wins. I guess the pressure's off. You got nothing to lose. Now. Yeah, I guess so. So Mike Benjamin coached his little league, his son's little league team from Arizona to the Little League World Series in 2003. Well, that's impressive. Yeah, they didn't win, but they got there, which was has to be really cool. But that's yeah. uh, that's all I got for Mike Benjamin. You are at 2.3, sir, and I think you're running out of cards. Um, yeah, I'm down to, wait, I still got five. Okay. So next we have the angels pitcher, Brian Harvey, or is it Harvey Brian? Hmm. I don't think it matters. Um, <laughs> 1990, Brian Harvey, Harvey, Brian, Brian Harvey. He was a closer, wasn't he? I believe so. Brian Stanley Harvey. So again, all of them father of Hunter Harvey. I did not know that Hunter Harvey three years in the big league so far, all with Baltimore. He huh. is a uh, relief pitcher. Just like Dad. Yeah. Uh, huh. Let's see. What year is this for? 1990. 1990. You just missed an all-star year. Bummer. Nine years in the big league, six with the California Angels, and then finished up with three with the Florida Marlins. Neither of those two teams exists like that anymore. <laughs> California and Florida. Four <laughs> nope. and four, 3.22 ERA, 54 games, 64 and a third inning, 82 strikeouts. That's very nice for a 119 ERA plus the Rolades Relief Man of the Year one year. Nice. Always good. And let's see. All of that equates to a war of 1.3. Your first okay. positive in quite a while. <laughs> <laughs> all right. You're at 3.6. Right. Next, we got uh, Texas Ranger pitcher Jeff Russell. Or is it Russell Jeffs? I remember Jeff Russell. One time athletic. Yeah. He was. I think 91 he came over with yeah, Bobby Witt. This is a 90 card. Let's see, 1990. Uh, actually, it was 92 that he was traded to the A's. It was one year off. 1990 with Texas, not a good year for Jeff Russell. One in five with a 4.26 ERA, only 10 saves after leading the year prior with 38. 38 nice. saves led the league. What wow. happened? Man. Yeah. Uh, let's see. He was an all-star the previous two years, but not this year. 25 and a third innings pitched only 16 strikeouts. He must've been hurt this year. 93 ERA plus, and that will equal a minus 0.4 war. <laughs> if I think you got me on this one, I'm, I'm struggling here. <laughs> yeah, it can still, uh, it can still flip. Let's see. No, no, I saw the next two cards. Oh, so, <laughs> uh, 
that trade to the A's, he came over with with Ruben Sierra and Bobby Witt for Jose Canseco in 92. Oh, wow. All right. So you are at 3.2. All right. And moving on to the, well, it says Indians on the card. We'll just call oh, it Cleveland. That's the team you picked. Good news for you. That's right. And uh, it's Dave Clark, an five. outfielder. The Dave Clark 5? The Dave Clark 5. Uh, and this would be a 90, 1990 card. First of all, you're, you're starting off with a .5 because he was on your team. Yes. Even though in 1990, he was actually with the Cubs. Hmm. He came up with Cleveland for the first four years of his career. 13 years in the big leagues overall. Let's see. A left fielder, 1990, 84 games, 275 average, five home runs, 20 RBI, and 89 OPS plus. And that will equal a war of minus .4. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I like it. Um, like this pack really seems like it was made for me, though, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, yeah, now that you mention it, it kind of does. This seems like it has my name written all over it. But uh, let's see. Uh, Brother Louie, former wide receiver for the Seahawks, Louie Clark. Ah. I am not familiar with him. Let's see. He was uh, a Seahawk for, uh, well, for a couple of years, 87 through 92. Huh. Shockingly enough, I don't know anything about a football player. Okay. There you <laughs> yeah, go. You're either. at 2.8. I am now starting to feel confident with my 11.8. Yeah, I got to get 9.1 out of Bob Melvin. So. <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, and this is a 90 tops. 90 tops. All right. So For Bo Maldi. Bob's with the Orioles then, I think. 90. Yep, you got it. Baltimore, 93 games. This is just a, this is an absolutely typical Bob Melvin year. 93 games, 243 average, five home runs, 37 RBI, a 73 OPS plus, and a war of positive 0.6. I mean. Hey, he did more than most of the team, okay? Yeah, I mean, you. that's better than the rest of your guys. So we've already mentioned that he was traded for Eric King uh, yep. earlier, and Juan, he was traded with bon, Juan Berenguer. Uh, Bo Mel, boy, we've, I think we've talked enough about him, uh, off the field. I mean, one, oh, yeah. of, my, one of my guys, not, no longer with my team, but one of my guys, uh, there you go, a 3.4 and somehow I'm just holding on. Now I do want to warn you, Mark, you don't want to let us get hot. That's true. That's two in a row. Now that we've won, you're still at 19. You're on the precipice. Uh, I am now at 11. There you go. Once again, thank you very much, Marshall, for sending in some packs. You send in a couple more. We'll do. Uh, we'll get to those here in the next couple of weeks. If you want to send us, our wonderful listeners, if anybody else wants to send us some curated packs or just unopened wax packs, we don't care. Uh, We'll be happy to to open those and use them here in our Wax Packs Hero segment. Uh, if you want, just uh, DM us or email us, and we can tell you how to get them to us. But thank you once again, Marshall. Oh, by the way, Mark, did I get that right? Was the uh, the last name as first names? You nailed both themes today, my friend. Nice. Bam. Well done. A big, right. big day for, for Jeff. All right, so that is going to wrap up. This was a good episode. I really enjoyed it. Uh, talking today that was yeah that was fun that was fun all right so that's going to uh wrap up this episode if uh you just can't get enough we are available to you 24 hours a day seven days a week obviously we have got a huge catalog if you haven't listened to all of our shows before mark this is show number 160 nice that's a lot of us talking and for some uh. reason people listening 
Uh, if you uh, want to get a hold of us or see what we're thinking about any other time, you can find us on all the socials. We are at Two Strike Noise. That is at TWO Strike Noise. All of the links are in the show notes, Twitter, Instagram, Twitch, YouTube. Mark, we also have an email address that's down there. Sure, you can send us email, electronic mail, as it's called, at twostrikenoise at gmail.com. Great. And uh, with that, next week, we're going to be in the regular season. We might have a Lars Newt Bar update. We might. We might. I hope that's, so. That's exciting. So uh, everybody enjoy opening day. I know we'll be sitting here watching it, watching many, many games. Uh, Mark, I think the Mariners are on the road, so you'll probably be planted in front of the TV, as I will be. And Yes. Uh, yeah. Looking forward to talking about uh, what goes on there, as well as more baseball history on the next episode of Two Strike Noise. Thank you. God bless you. Have a great day.